We're going to sacrifice some virgins. Same. Same thing. It's my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sacrificing virgins. Check the closet. It's my whole, whole life. I don't think you keep them after you sacrifice them. Or mm. are you keeping them live, like fresh mm. in there for You'll the sacrifice? You'll have to find out. Check Damn. The Come back next week to find out whether the virgins in the closet are alive or dead. Melina. Yes. Do you know what the date is today? Oh my god, is it the 13th? It is the 13th. Yeah, that's what I thought. The 13th of November. Right. And do you know what is happening on the 13th of November in this year of our Lord? Uh, snow? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's actually now the third day of snow. It's, it's, (laughs) it's snowing out right now, actually. Yeah, I know. That is staying on the ground. Yeah. Uh, it was supposed to, it, it, what, what was it? The weather was like, oh, feels like negative 18 today. Yeah. Great. That's, ch- that's cool. Literally chill. That is literally <laughs> chill. My favorite is, so like, it, when I go up to work, the elevator plays like these like news pits, or sometimes they do like fun facts, and on Damn. Monday, it was like, um... Today is the coldest November 11th on record. And then on the 12th, it was like, today is the coldest November 12th on record. And then I looked at my Google alerts this morning and it was like, today is the coldest November 13th on record. smashing those records, man. I was like, guys, we get it. It's a cold November. Like, we understand. It's it's fucking absurd. It is actually Like, this, I would like, I'm gonna, I, can I, I would like to return it. I want to take it back. I want, I got my receipts. This should not be happening. No. My thing is also, like, I get tired of, of winter by, like, day three in December. So if yeah. we're having this now, like, by the time, I'm not even going to be excited to get the tree anymore. No. Because I'm going to be so fatigued from all of this nonsense. Like, there should not be snow that stays nah. on the ground until December. There's nah. no reason for this. I remember vaguely, like, uh, like years and years ago it happening every so often, but it hasn't happened in a while. In a long, yeah. No, I don't, this is not what I signed up for. No, it's for. also not what I want, regardless. Like, I'm like, no, Also, I'm fuck Beats. <laughs> fuck Beats. Excuse me? Beats by Dr. Dre. Oh, the headphones. Oh, I yes. was like, I know we don't like the, but why were we going to do this rant here <laughs> about the boiled beets? But this makes more sense. Oh my God, what? <laughs> well, that's what you I thought, like, the vegetable beets? Yeah. You thought I was talking about well, beets, we, the vegetable? We do have a rant about, like, the way people cook beets. So. The way they cook things in general. Anytime that you're cooking something just by boiling it, you're yeah, doing right, it wrong, right. unless it's an egg. <laughs> this is an important rant. But not connected to my rant about beets by Dr. Dre, which are the weakest fucking shit I ever did. Like, they stop working in, like, negative two degrees. Like, what's that? Like, negative two degrees is still warm. Like, are you shitting me right now? Like, the only thing that I want from Drake is for him to come up with a line of headphones that work in the Canadian winter. Uh, that's what he can do for me, uh, to make up for his career up until this point. Whiny baby music? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Drake, get on that, because I cannot believe, like, that these headphones just don't work, my phone doesn't work, like, it's only November, and it's already so cold that no technology will work outside. I think if it's so cold, the technology just, like, gives up, I get to give up. Yeah. I get to turn off. I get to be like, oop, sorry, can't. I'd love to, but I can't. Ow, no. Ow? Ow? No. 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 He had a good run. I'm not going to do this. I will not be out in this this atmosphere. I always want to shut down for the winter. That's always my goal. I'm like, no, I'm (laughs) Like, why don't we hibernate? Yeah. I don't understand. We could learn something from them bears. We really got screwed over here in the evolution circuit. Yeah. It's bonkers. It's fucking bonkers. You know what else is bonkers? Oh, no. Uh, Don Cherry. Yeah. So if you guys don't know, this is a man. Where did he come from, actually? Do you know? You know more about sports than I do. Yeah, I know about sports, but I don't know about Don Cherry. I have no idea. I know that he's like a sports announcer man in Canada. He he does the hockey show. He does Hockey Night in Canada. Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah. And where they're like, oh, wow, there was a hockey last night in Canada. Someone did a puck in a net. Pretty much. Let's play that again slower. Yeah. That's his job. He wears very colorful suits. In summary, yes. 
Yeah. Um, also, terrible man. Yeah. Well, so, like, he went on this, like, very unhinged rant about... What was it? That, Remembrance like, yeah, Day. Yeah, and it was like, immigrants don't wear poppies. Is that so what, what he was saying? So what he actually says, so he's like going on this rant about how nobody wears poppies anymore and okay. nobody's supporting our troops and like blah, yeah. blah, blah, right. blah, blah. That's what supports the troops. And yeah, honestly, like, anyways, <laughs> not necessary. Like, yeah, like buy a poppy. Like, that's totally fine. But he starts making these statements where he's like, you know, where they, you're not going to see anyone wearing poppies. You're not going to see anyone wearing poppies in downtown Toronto. You're not going to see anyone wearing poppies in Mississauga. But you'll see people wearing poppies in, like, rural Ontario. Sure, yes. Those people wear poppies. Like, and then he goes off and he's like, you people come over to our country. Yes, and you like enjoy our, 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 he says milk and honey. Um, yeah, and, and... You have no respect for the people who made this possible. Uh, and so if you don't know anything about demographics in Canada, what he's sort of trying to say is it's like there's more immigrants in like urban areas, there's more immigrants in Mississauga, and those people who are coming over here have no respect for the military humans who fought the wars and they don't wear poppies where were his stats i don't know does he have sources unclear no so like and then the his ron what's his name i don't know his last name the other guy other why, man. why they're named don and ron also <laughs> I don't know. anyway he like apologizes on behalf of him and then the network apologizes and then the network's like you have to apologize and he's like no, no. and then they were like bye bye um this to me like chris told me this news this morning i i hadn't seen it and i was like that surprises me none i have been watching hockey since i was a wee child i grew up in a hockey family um and this is who this man is like literally this is who he has been for his entire career he pals around with the fords he writes op-eds for the sun he says, like, overtly racist things. But, like, literally about everything. Like, this man is, like, extreme. Like, one of his other rants is, like, just going on about, like, European hockey players. Yeah. He hates the Russians. He yeah. hates the Swedes. Nobody plays hockey like Canadians. It's yeah. only the Canadians. And you're like, oh, dear God. Yeah. Well, it's just, like, this person. Like, I have, I remember my dad tells Hates the French. Hates, hates everyone. Hates Quebec. My hates dad everyone. tells this story where he was, like, you were, like, very small, and you looked at this man, and he said, Daddy, why is this man so loud? <laughs> and, not, so true. And, like, you know, I'm pretty loud. I appreciate a loud person. But I yeah, think the but... subtext of five-year-old me is, like, yeah. who's this man? Who this man? Why he speaks so loud so bad? Why he say these things? It's just, like, this is, I'm just, like, it's, it's, it's wild to me that like this this is yes. bad don't get me wrong it is but like he has said far more overtly like yes. he's using coded language here yes um, it was very subtle for him yeah it, there is nothing about him that is subtle no. and yet the statement was somewhat subtle and he has said more overtly racist things yeah and so it's wild to me that like this is what they're firing him for. I mean, I think it's just, like, I think it's a couple things. Like, I think that he's not really at his height popularity no, anymore. Like, it's come and gone. And, like, also just the time period that we're in right now is a little bit more proactive yeah. towards being, like, uh, nope. Yeah. Just, now, we, I'm not going to go into this whole thing, but I do think it's important, like, so he is a prominent figure in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, and the NHL has, like, actually like really sort of um racist history and so does hockey like hockey starts out as an, a sport sort of played by indigenous people not as hockey but it's mm-hmm. called something else and then it's also played by like black loyalist soldiers and then like it kind of gets co-opted and there's a lot of racism in the nhl and like i think i just think that's important because you have someone who's kind of like the face of the like yeah like the nhl or like hockey night in canada and then you have this institution that like is kind of gross well or even like him going on about how people coming over here from other countries can't don't have respect for the soldiers who fought in these wars when like wars like world war one and world war two were fought like more than 50 percent by soldiers who were not white yeah no absolutely like who were members of like the colonies like 
you know, so what? Yeah, it's all it's all gross and like un unwell. I was about to say, which doesn't make sense. It is unwell. Your not- opinion, Monsieur, is quite unwell. Yeah, it was just like I hearing the news. I was like, this surprises me absolutely zero amounts. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, it's upsetting. Like I, I like I'm not a huge sports fan. Yeah. Um, I like I like women's Olympic hockey. Um. Because it's, it's good and it's a fast game. The NHL has gone downhill. So, like, you know. But it, it is just, like, embarrassing for the community that this okay. man is here. Also, side rant about him. But, like, another thing that he's really big on is, like, violence in hockey. Oh, this makes me insane. Oh, my God. He's like, I'm so sorry. Oh, my he's, God. like, a really big pusher for, like, there should be violence in hockey. No. We should be allowed to fight in hockey. That's why I like women's Olympic hockey, because there's no fighting. And mm-hmm. people are like, oh, it's because they're... And I'm like, no, it's not because they're weak. It's because they play a smarter, faster game. Fighting? Here's the thing. Nobody cares. Our audience? Not it. I'm sure. We don't have... Do we have an audience? I don't know. Anyway, I... I do like, it's just like, it slows down the game, it promotes this weird toxic masculine culture, Yeah. it's gross, like, I, I, I don't, like, it just, I think, I hate the, I'm sorry, I get so worked up. No, go for it, man. I just, That's like, the point of this. I just, like, I hate that, I hate that, like, yo, go punch him out, I'm like, no, no, learn how to play the fucking game, be better at the game, you can't just punch, it makes me insane. It is the lowest common denominator. It is. I mean, listen... I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't find it entertaining because I do. <laughs> sure. But I'm also not going to sit here and be like, you know what we really need more of in this sport? Fighting. Yeah. You got to fight it out. You got to be able to pull off your gloves and just punch that dude in the face. Yeah. No. Also concussions. Yes. Also, you can't, yeah, you can't promote this. This is not, no. this, we, what a, can't, don't do that. I get into fights with my dad a lot because he, he's like, well, the men play a harder game. And I'm always like, no, they don't. That's not it. Like, that's mm-hmm. not how that works. But like, and one of the things he uses to support that is that in women's hockey and women's soccer, you're not allowed contact in the same way. Sure. So like in the NHL, you, I think you can't make illegal hits, which is just like cross-checking and other stuff, but you can hit, right? You can make a clean hit. In women's hockey, you can't. Like, there's no hitting. I actually think, I don't think that's like an example of them being weaker. I think that's an example of how like women have no time for these fucking performances. Like, that's what it is. Yeah, well, that is what it is. (laughs) It is a performance. It's like a like a pantomime, like dinner theater kind of thing, where it's yeah. just like, and now we're just gonna watch two dudes yeah. fight. And I always say, like, go watch, like, was it MWA, MFA, whatever. Go watch one of the, if you wanna see, like, two people duke it out and rip each other's ears off, there are outlets for that. Yeah. Go do that. Yeah. But what bugs me is that it's used to, like, signify that, like, women um, can't ha- handle the hitting. And I'm yeah. like, that's not really yeah. it. And also, like, let's be honest, sports is, an, a, like, an area where there is, like, so much toxic masculinity, and people have come out about it, like, hockey players yes. in particular, about all of the hazing and the stuff that yes. goes on behind the scenes, even in, like, these professional leagues, and yes. how institutionalized it is, and how, like, fucked up it gets. Yeah. And so I don't think that giving that even more legitimacy by making it, like, a part of the game is good. No, I would have to agree. <laughs> so basically, terrible man gets fired. That's good news. <laughs> a few small amount of people today were out protesting this firing. TBH, this man's very old. Don't think they're going to hire him back. No. That's probably fine. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I think it's very fine. Maybe he will run for the leader of the Conservative Party uh, uh, against Andrew Scheer. Uh, <laughs> you can see it though, can't you? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> he uh, might win. Uh, I can't even. I don't even have the like bandwidth to consume the that bandwidth. image. In this I am moment. full. You have to dump some files. Yeah, no, literally, that's how I feel. I'm like, no, I can't even conceptualize that. Someone please empty the trash. Yeah, uh, 100%. Okay, guys. Finally, 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 we are going to move on with our uh, series on women and medical things, and we're talking about endo shit. Endocrine illnesses. Endocrine illnesses. 
this is kind of an important thing. One because Endo's game. <laughs> Endo- oh, that's what we should call that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, please continue. I, this is important for me, one, because I have an endocrine illness, but also because um, I think it's something that gets overlooked. Now it's changing a little bit, but like I do think like for most of history, these kinds of illnesses have been ignored. Well, and I think that comes down to, like, women not being believed when they say that they're in pain, right? And because endo illnesses are so internal and there's not really a whole lot of, like, very visible physical evidence of them. Yeah. It's it's something where women are like, I feel pain. And the doctor's like, nah, you don't. Like, that's in your head. You're just having a moment. It's whatever. You're exaggerating this pain that you feel. So I feel like that's a big part of that. Yeah. For sure. Something that's also important to note is obviously, like, it's not just women who experience these illnesses, like, trans men and also gender non-conforming folk. And I think for them, like, it's almost twofold because already your identity is kind of scrutinized and taken as not serious. Mm -hmm. So, like, doctors are like, okay, well, I already don't believe you. You already have to prove yourself to me. So then if you have to then sort of, like, explain that, no, this thing does affect me, it just, like, doubles down on that sort of um, way we treat marginalized people because it happens along race lines as well right yeah it's just like garbage yeah so i think like in this episode we're gonna focus on three specific illnesses um but there are many there are very many and like the hope is that you use this as a jumping off point like do your googles pick up a book there's lots of them i'll link them in the show notes but like there's this it's just an important topic i think um because the more that we understand i think the less stigma and the less marginalization of women's bodies and um marginalized bodies in general well and also because so often in order to get treated uh the people suffering from them have to like advocate and fight for themselves so like if you the more you hear other people being like oh yeah this is a real thing the more you're like okay this i am I should keep fighting for myself. That's one of my favorite stories. So, like, the first uh, one we're going to talk about is endometriosis. Um, And there's this book called Ask Me About My Uterus. And the author tells this story about how she goes to the doctor and she has to bring her boyfriend with her to, like, um, vouch for how much pain she was in. Yeah. And, like, that is, is, like, maybe the fourth or fifth story I had read like that when I reached that of, like, people having to go and, like, say, no, here's my, my... like masculine male presenting partner um he's gonna validate to you what my pain is yeah well there's this big thing where it's like women have to prove that they're feeling as much pain as their male counterparts if that makes sense so obviously that's not like exactly what's happening in that situation but at the same time it is like proving that you have pain that is quote-unquote so bad that like a man can recognize that it is pain yeah So, endometriosis is a chronic illness. Um, It's, like, misunderstood. The way that a lot of people explain it is that it's when um, the endometrial tissue that grows inside your uterus grows on the outside, but that's not actually... That's part of it. It's just when endometrial tissue grows where it's not supposed to grow. So they found it in brains. They found it on spleens. I think that's a really important point to make because something a lot of people say is, like, well, just get a hysterectomy. And you're like, okay. Okay. Also, like, the sentence, just (laughs) get a hysterectomy. Like, whoever said that, fuck that person. Like, on every level, (laughs) fuck that person. But the truth is... Just... Just get this organ removed yeah. from your body. Well, in and in a lot of the research that you look at, they say that a hysterectomy is the only actual cure for endometriosis. But the truth is, is the more that they're learning about this disease, the more that they're understanding that it's actually not a cure because then the tissue ends up growing, growing in other places, places. Right? Basically, it's inflamed tissue. Right. That's essentially what it is. Um, it affects about 176 million people globally, and that's only of the people that have been diagnosed, right? right. Obviously, like, a lot of this is going to go unreported, which is really important. Um, symptoms include very painful periods, chronic lower back or belly pain, tenderness or pain in your vagina and or vulva. Um, it can also range from moderate to extreme, and this is another sort of misunderstanding that people have. It's like, oh... Um, the severeness of your disease correlates to the amount of pain that you're having and for endometriosis that's not true you can have very severe like tissue that's doing damage to your body and it doesn't necessarily cause that much pain or vice versa Mm -hmm. you could have a small amount of tissue and it causes you massive amounts of pain it depends on where it is yeah 
which is, again, something that went misunderstood for many, many years because they yeah. were only looking in the uterus. And some people who have endometriosis don't experience any pain at all, like, mm. whatsoever. And then it's almost impossible to diagnose. Yeah, I was going to say, like... Um, it can affect fertility, but not always. It obviously depends on where the tissue is growing. So, like, if it's on your fallopian tubes, you can get scar tissue from it when it tries to shed, and obviously that'll make it difficult for you to conceive. It first kind of gets discovered, discovered in 1860. I really do love, like, the idea of, like, discovering things that women and, like, other people have dealt with, like, for their entire lives. Yep. Anyway, that's a side rant, but I, I do find it funny. No, you say it, and I just picture, like, a little man <laughs> on a little boat. He just, like, whoop, 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 I've discovered this. Yeah. Puts his flag into <laughs> a uterus. Yeah. The first time. The first time. Yeah. Um, but so that's around 1860, but records of like symptoms that we now understand as being symptoms of endometriosis are dated back to antiquity. Like you see them in all kinds of historical documents. Usually when doctors are confronted with like a lack of understanding or research around something, they're like, oh, well, this is new. It's just happening now. This is the only time it's ever happened. And you're like, no, like it's clearly not new. We've been talking about it for years. Women have been experiencing this kind of pain for years. You're just kind of listening now. Yeah. And that's something I hear all the time. Like people, doctors say it all the time, well, endometriosis is relatively new. And I'm like, no, no. it's it's literally not. Just like the research into it is yeah. relatively new. Yeah. It's just in the past 15 years, people have started advocating themselves, which, yeah. advocating for themselves, which has forced people to do research yeah. into it. Um, anyway, that's a side note. I just do think that's important to remember. Yeah through all of this so treatment um there's no cure right off the bat (laughs) that you know do it but right off the bat there's no cure Mm. this is an incurable illness at this point that's cool that is incredibly frustrating i cannot even begin i'm not gonna cry it's all fine i cannot even begin to explain how frustrating it is to like go into a doctor's office and have them be like yeah, we could do that, or we could do this, but at the end of the day, it's not a cure, so you're better off going with pain management. And then you're kind of like, okay, so I'm just going to be in pain for the rest of my life, is that what you're telling me? And then in, you know, nicer terms, they're like, yeah. Also, like, (laughs) what an apathetic, like, it's just like, yeah, well, we don't know, so just go away. Like, just go that's, away. That's kind of what it is. I don't want to know. I'm not going to try to know. So I just want you to, you know, get out of my office so that I don't have to keep sitting here making up excuses for why I don't have any kind of plan for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. There are treatment options, right? And it mostly exists in managing symptoms. On average, it takes a patient with endometriosis 10 years to get diagnosed, uh, which is wild. Um... It's also, like, a lot of that is because endocrine illnesses, uh, specifically, this is not part of the education of a general practitioner, so, like, right. your family doctor. Yeah. Gyno, like, um, obstetricians, uh, if you're going into specialist um, or you're specializing in, like, the nervous system, maybe you look at it a little bit, even though that's kind of just happening now. So, endocrine, your endocrine system is essentially, like, your nervous um hormone system they're all connected i got a lot of nervous hormones yeah same tbh but that's <laughs> my <laughs> nervous levels they're real fucking high same. that's one of the reasons i also wanted to do this episode i think is because for so long we only focused on the reproductive organs yeah. we were only like oh but actually like this is something that's affected by your insulin production by your adrenal glands by like your all of that shit like it this this stuff culminates in the whole body I mean, I think that there's always, when it comes to medicine surrounding, like, female bodies, it's always very focused on reproduction. Um, and I don't know if that's, like, a, oh, this is the most important part of you, yeah. so we'll just focus on that. And if it's, like, affecting some other area, then, like, meh. Yeah. We don't really care that much about you as a whole, just like as what you can do for us. Yes. Which is reproduce. Absolutely. Well, and we'll, we'll learn, like they, I taught, we taught, we'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk about PCOS, but, um, so much went unknown because they weren't looking at the whole body specifically with PCOS. Like they didn't understand so much about this. And then once they started looking at people's insulin levels, they were like, oh yeah and that's why pcos is one of the few that have more advanced treatment options is because now they're starting to get research for the whole body 
Whereas for things like endo and vulvodynia, they're still focusing on that one part of you. Yeah. And in my opinion, I say this all the time, like we need to be looking at these things in the context of, because I'm so sorry, this is a tangent. But as we talked about in gender and sexuality, there are different makeups of sexes. Like, yeah. it's not just, like, male, female. People have different makeups of hormones, and, like, that is then going to affect that illness. So if we're just looking at that one part, you don't get that picture. Also, like, a body is an interconnected system. Like, yes. you can't really <laughs> isolate one part from the other parts. For sure. Like, they're all affecting one another. Yeah. So. I mean, God, acupuncture tells you that. Like, <laughs> It's, it's like, true. oh, I just pricked your foot and you feel it in your brain. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, back on track to treatment. Um, basically, one of the only ways to definitively diagnose endometriosis or the only way to definitively 100% diagnose endometriosis is with a laparoscopic surgery. So a tiny camera is inserted through an incision in your belly and looks for Ugh. the tissue, basically. But of course, because... We, Don't like incisions. Well, the problem with this is they usually incise where your uterus is. But of course, now we know that this tissue grows all over your body. So what are you going to do? Insert... T- like, that doesn't work anymore. Like, that's oh my God, like, that's a terrifying image. Just yeah. like cutting open a woman a million places and sticking a million yeah. tiny cameras in her ah. so like that's problem numero uno but also this kind of surgery isn't accessible to everyone because in most cases it takes place by a specialist so even if you do have universal health care you still might end up having to pay for this yeah um and also most doctors don't really know what they're looking for <laughs> like wow. most gps don't know um and if you live somewhere without universal health care obviously you just might not like there might yeah. be no recourse for this at all um, I also think something that's talked about a little bit less is the mental toll it can take to gear yourself up to have a surgery to diagnose something that there isn't a cure for. Yeah. That was a big issue with me. I was like, what is, what, what is, what is the point? Like, what are we going to do with this? Yeah. Um, ultrasounds can find lesions if they're not superficial or if they're in the right place at the right time. Um, and that also goes true for endometriosis, for, or sorry, for the laparoscopic surgery. You go in at the wrong time, the tissue's not going to be there, but you still have it. Great. Right? So Love, like, a, love a shy symptom, you yeah. know? Like, I love those symptoms that are like, oop, I'm here. No, I'm yeah. not. Oh, I'm here. No, I'm not. Because you just know that, like, every time you need them to be there, they'll be like, meh, took yeah. a nap today. Exactly. And then you'll leave, and five minutes later, you'll be like, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> not that you can see, like, your tissue inflaming but i'm just saying you know yeah that five minutes out after you walk out of that hospital is fucking inflamed well it's incredibly frustrating right so mostly the focus then ends up on pain management which includes hormonal birth control to regulate hormones which can relieve some of the pain from swelling um if that tissue is mostly focused in your uterus um excision surgery is also an option to relieve pain basically what it does is it burns away the tissue um, it's but, like exorcism surgery. Yes, exactly. You're like exercising. Sorry, the, did I say the, excision? I meant exorcism. Yeah, oh, thank you. Do yes. they like come in and they like spray, There's like they priest. anoint yeah. you oh, with absolutely. like lavender scented oils? A hundred percent. The problem with exorcism surgery, i.e. excision surgery, is that it eventually grows back. So like, again. Just like a demon. Yeah, exactly. Almost exactly like a demon. It's hard to believe we're not talking <laughs> about demons, but that's also kind of hard to wrap your head around. So you're going to get this surgery where they're going to burn your tissue away and then it's going to come back. Love it. And again, it's not accessible to everybody because not everyone knows how to do it. You ever notice that like the body does the most incredible things in the most inconvenient yeah, ways? Like, true. can you imagine like other more convenient body parts that you could burn away and then that would grow back? What if you could just burn away your hand? <laughs> yeah. and your hand could just grow back. What a fucking useful I know. goddamn but evolutionary nah, 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 nah. facet that would yeah. be. But, nah, but nah. no, it's the the demon <laughs> tissue yeah. that grows back after you burn it away. Yeah. The fucking you know, upside down Stranger Things tissue. That's that's the one that we want to regenerate. Yeah. Great. More extreme treatments include medically induced menopause via hormone oh therapy. Oh my yeah. god. Um, it's controversial though because what was happening is that doctors weren't explaining it to the patients as that, as menopause. <laughs> Um, so there have been reports of women not realizing that was what was happening to them until like halfway through the treatment. So it's like an informed consent issue. Yeah. Like why? Like, again, we've talked about this before. Like why tell women what you do to them? You know, 
Also, like, men- menopause is no small deal, right? No. Like, not to, like, to demonize, like, I, you know, that's not really what I'm trying to do. It's just, like, if you're going to make that, if it's going to be something that's going to happen to you voluntarily, it, you got to make that choice. Like, yeah. And that is super shitty. So, as we said before, hysterectomy is often presented by doctors as, like, a last result um, and is kind of painted as the be-all, end-all treatment for endo. But, again, because we don't know what causes it yeah. and it grows on other organs, it's, like, not true. And I can't believe that there are still, like, medical journals that, like, say that. I'm like, no, anybody who knows anything about this illness, any Joe from off the street, who, well, maybe not any Joe, but, like, me, who yeah. is terrible at science yeah can like look at this and be like no of course that's not gonna work because you don't know what's causing the tissue to grow yeah anytime they're like offering me a solution for a problem that they clearly don't understand i'm like no don't think so yeah so as i'm sure you're gathering um doctors have no idea where the fuck this happens (laughs) (laughs) and what causes it or how to treat it and it's frustrating one uk study found that people with endometriosis spend around $13,000 Canadian, I converted it, uh, a year on trying to manage it. And that's in the UK where they have the NHS. That's a place with pretty good healthcare. Yeah. So, like, that's bananas. I've got a lot of outrage. Endo rage. It's, yeah, endo rage. It's just like. Endo raged. On a less, like, academic not that that was particularly academic pretty decently academic i think but on like a less sort of clinical analysis note i the mental toll that this kind of stuff takes i think is also something that is overlooked like depression anxiety like all of it um it's just incredibly frustrating day after day to kind of like live in a body that betrays you and that no one knows how to fix it's like very difficult to not see yourself as broken um and part of that i think is because we don't have any real positive discourse about it in the medical community well and again i think anytime that you are dealing with something that is invisible to anyone who isn't you yeah that's very frustrating especially if it's a chronic thing because it's not just like a I'm taking this one day off and then, like, I'll move on and get over it. It's like I have to deal with this every single day and nobody really acknowledges or gives, like, my experience with that space. Yeah. Um, And that, I also think, is incredibly frustrating. Yeah, well, I've said this to you before, but I had people, like, ask me about it and they're like, oh, so you just get really bad periods. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm in pain all of the time yeah. but my periods are just unmanageable and the rest of it is manageable and that's something that like I don't think people understand and of course like you don't want to walk around every day being like oh my god did you know I'm in pain today like I don't want to do that yeah like, that's not actually how I want to live my life yeah um even though I do like bitch and whine a lot but like I mean you gotta <laughs> let it out somehow man but like I don't want to live my life like that so but it can be um uh very uh almost isolating yeah yeah no for sure because you know, if people don't have a frame of reference for what you're going through, most of the time they don't have that much sympathy for it. Yeah, that's very true. Okay, we're gonna move on to vulvodynia. <laughs> um, this one I think we wanted to talk about because it doesn't get as much tension as PCOS or endometriosis. Also, it sounds like a make-believe world uh, where there's a race of vulvas yeah which you know what is way better than what it actually is so i'll take just it just running around in the yeah. wilderness i love that um vulvodynia it is the one that i think affects the most uh women globally which is also why i think it's sort of important to touch on um oh man so what is it um it's described as vulva pain that lasts three months or longer and is not caused by infection, skin disorder or other medical issues so basically women who are like i'm in pain and doctors are like Okay, well, there's too many pains of this area, so it also must be related to this. This is a vagina problem. Yes? yes. Vulva problem for you? Have vulva problem. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> like, to me, that's what it seemed like. And maybe I'm wrong, but like in all of the research I read, it was basically like the name that they've given um, vulva pain that is not related to any other illness that they have delineated. Right. <laughs> that is chronic. That's yeah. the important part. There are two types, um, basically. Uh, it's like localized and then um, 
where you're feeling the pain consistently all the time and then the other one where like the pain is kind of dull and always there but worsened by touch or pressure um which you can see how that would be incredibly difficult in terms of like having a period so inserting tampons or um pads and then like you know either inserting dildos or like penises whatever like that all becomes an issue yeah (laughs) all of it also can't imagine explaining that to a boy yeah well also like some some people laura laura also like for all of this follow laura parker like she's uh great i love her she is like one of my heroes anyway um pain becomes so intense for some people that it is hard for them to wear like underwear or pants so like you actually can't and like that is wild because we live in a society uh, in which you have to mostly wear pants outside yeah that's that's brutal it's so upsetting (laughs) it's like you know it felt like negative 18 today And uh, I don't know how you get through that without at least a pair of underwear. Well, very loose sweatpants, as per Laura Parker's recommendation. Um, It's first documented in 1880 and described as supersensitiveness of the vulva. Very medical uh, term. You know, I like it. Straight to the point. Yeah. Treatment, again, surprise, no cure. They have no idea uh, of what causes it. Again, surprise. Uh, Some... People talk about it maybe being linked to autoimmune disorders, nerve damage, allergic reactions, or chronic yeast infections, and or ethnicity, but there is no agreement or consistent research on any of those things, which is why I was reluctant to even say it, but like... So people are just throwing shit out there. Yeah, that's exactly They're what like, it maybe it's Martians. Yeah. Well, and I can see how it would be... Con- like, there's a lot of um, research about endometriosis being um, linked to... Uh, stress and trauma Mm -hmm. which kind of makes sense to me um and there's research in this but again there's nothing definitive and also we don't know what comes first that's kind of what it's like does the illness come first does the trauma come for like what are we doing here chicken egg chicken egg trauma don't know all difficult yeah um i they they also like to point out all the time that the risk yeah so on that point they like to point out all the time that the risk is high in women who experience anxiety and depression but there aren't any control factors for this to rule out the possibility that vulvodynia can increase the risk of anxiety and depression. And I always find that funny. Yeah. Like, I'm like, do you not understand, like, the mistake that you've made here? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what is this? Uh, no, I can't, I can't see how chronic pain would affect any of those things. Yeah. I also think we don't really understand the way that brain, that the brain, like, and interacts with pain and your nervous system. And that's what I think makes it... Um, more difficult to address any of these illnesses because they're again they're not considering the brain as part of the system yeah no that's a good point yeah and that is a huge part of it for particularly for um people who have uteruses and who have estrogen as like a dominant hormone um the nervous hormone (laughs) the nervous hormone um we really really don't understand that relationship to pain and it is crucial in each one of these illnesses yeah um yeah, so difficult to treat, painkillers, uh, modified dilators is a big thing. Also, like, pot. Obviously, What's like, doctors. modified dilator? So it's, like, a dilator that is made for home use. So it's usually, like, softer and made of silicone, and they're, like, uh, smaller. So it's, like, just the thing that you put in your vagina yeah. to dilate it. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Sorry. That makes yes, sense. essentially. <laughs> yes, I could have said that better, but, like, yeah. Um, got there in the end yeah but basically the point of that is is to like um relieve pressure in certain areas okay um that doesn't work for everybody depending on how your pain manifests or where it is right um pot is a big thing everybody talks about this doctors are like we don't recommend it but shh we recommend it (laughs) (laughs) why can't they recommend it Uh, it's legal now so are gummies yeah well, gotta get on that for vulva for the vulva they recommend it I oil think, like, as like a yeah salve. that would make sense yeah um which, but also sour patch weed gummies well that's what i use like i we could talk about that but like it's i use it as a microdose because the problem is is the painkillers that i was being prescribed made me like very like groggy and like grumpy and nauseous and i was like well and even when they don't like when those (laughs) pharmaceuticals don't necessarily affect your cognitive abilities if you have to take a lot of them 
daily. Yes. Uh, I say as someone who had a really bad back injury yes. and had to take a lot of pills daily for like two years, you you like start to feel it like yeah. internally. Oh, like sure. it's not good. <laughs> These pharmaceuticals are not good. Your body doesn't want them. If you have to be on it every like it's 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 I don't know how to describe it other than that like I, I yeah. felt like I could feel it. Yeah. Like the 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 toll it was taking on my body. Well, and also I think that painkillers don't address the other symptoms that come with these things, which is like nausea is a really big one with yeah. endometriosis, right? It's huge. And then you can't eat and then your body's not strong enough to fight off the pain. It's a whole thing. And that's something that like the right strain of weed can address for you. Yeah. Now I'm not saying like talk to people, do your research. I spent like years understanding how I could, and I can't smoke pot. Um, it doesn't give me quite the hives that it used to, but it does give me like just like very uncomfortable migraines. Have we talked about your allergy to pot? No, I'm allergic. So in high school, she's allergic to marijuana. Well, no, I'm allergic to it's smoke. Also, I have a sneaking suspicion that it was never an allergy, but a skin irritation. Right. Um, but what is an allergy if a, not a skin, I guess irritation. A skin irritation? But it's not like I went into anaphylactic shock or anything. And also, I can eat it, and that never bothered yeah. me. Yeah. But the smoke would make my throat very itchy, yeah. and I would get like you. I would get like splotchy yeah. hives. I've seen it happen. It's a very real thing. Now I don't get the hives. My throat does get very uncomfortable, and I get migraines. But for the most part, I don't get hives anymore. And that's weird because that's also happened to me with hay fever. I don't get. Hay I think fever that anymore. happens though. Like when you're younger, you have allergies to things that you grow out of. Yeah, um, but I can eat it anyway. It took me years to figure out how to dose it in the right way that fit my specific illness. And because you don't have the help of a doctor usually for the most part. Well, I think we should do an episode on pot and like how people have like hashtag four twenty blaze it. Well, and my family's always been, like, my whole family's, my dad grows it. Like, it's, like, a whole, like... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> TBH, I don't, like, care that much about weed. No, I, like... It's, like, when... I don't care that much of it as a... I'm not really into, like, the culture, but I have found it, like, uh, indispensable. In, in terms, terms of, of pain, pain. yeah, for yeah. sure. Like, definitely, I think it has a lot of uses there, especially because it can be put into so many different, like, yeah. formats. Yeah. Um, And as a result, you know, can treat a myriad of different yeah. pains and i wish that there was more education about it so people yeah 100 percent. instead of there being this like weird taboo around it considering that marijuana is like one of the less harmful substances that we've used to treat pain it's very like true. cocaine heroin know. you know fentanyl oxycodone yeah like all that shit started as pain management yeah no <laughs> morphine a hundred percent so back to the conversation about vulvodynia i think what frustrates me about the conversation around treatment for this specific chronic illness is that a lot of it focuses on curating or curing or alleviating pain to make sex possible yeah uh, obviously specifically for partners uh with penises yeah, like, yeah, yeah we need to cure and alleviate this to satisfy men yeah that's what that's well about. it even comes back to like previously that that comment about there being this weird focus only on the reproductive systems yeah it's a similar thing it's like there's this weird focus only on getting you to a point where you can have sex like yeah obviously nobody wants that option to be taken away from yeah. them like regardless of like how sexual you are as a human being but also if i am in chronic pain like i have other things on my mind and like the focus of this should not be to fucking make sure that i can facilitate some yeah. man's pleasure exactly well and like my thing is is like if you really love that form of sex i'm not saying that that's not treatment you shouldn't pursue there's just so much language about this that centers the pleasure of men at the expense of women which to me it's not how we should be having this conversation one article characterized the woman who is the subject of this article as lucky that she had a partner who was willing to stay with her through being unable to have penetrative sex and like that infuriates me she's not lucky He's not brave. He was doing the bare fucking minimum and treating her like the human being that she is. Like, especially because uh, she's in pain. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I really like Laura Parker because she has this journey where she was like with 
this guy who like made her feel miserable for not being able to have sex in the way that he wanted to have sex and then they break up and she has like online documents her whole journey of understanding her body better and saying oh I can have pleasure I can have these things in different ways and like I can meet people who aren't going to treat me like my only um, purpose is to be a hole to fill like you know what I mean yeah. like, anyway, it's a whole thing but like I, I hate that part of this conversation yes I mean, it's inappropriate because, again, like, that, unless it's been made clear by the person suffering from this that that's their, like, number one priority, yeah. it should not really be part of the conversation. And then, like, the separate side rant is just, like, you know, the way that we talk about sex in general. Like, penetration should not be the be-all and end-all, especially because, largely, that's only servicing, like, one partner, and the fact that men a lot of the time are like very focused on that one thing yeah that it's like well it doesn't really count unless i stick my dick in you not to mention that that conversation like talking about sex only in that way leaves out like uh lesbians who have vulvas like people who have to have sex not to mention that it completely like heterosexual like Heddles yes. up the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking more like in this that yes, specific context, context for but sure. Yeah, obviously in society in general, there is this idea that penetration is sex, uh, and that totally <laughs> negates every other form of relationship that is not a heterosexual yeah. relationship. If we only conceptualize sex as that one way, who are we leaving out of the conversation, particularly when it comes to education? But I think that in general, it's like you're leaving everybody out of everybody the conversation. Everybody Oh, absolutely. Except yeah. for like the person with the dick. Yes, 100%. Not everyone who like is straight and has a vagina and is having sex with somebody who has a penis should feel obligated to have penetrated sex if that is not what she wants and that is not what gets her off or them off, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, 100%. I feel very strongly about that. <laughs> we feel very strongly about this. <laughs> But I think that's a conversation that's not really had no. because you fit into the cookie cutter whatever representation of what that looks like. So there's not even like a conversation about how you do it differently. It's yeah. just like this is how this goes. Anyways, this is like not what we're talking about. But, right it, now. but it's not unimportant and it's not unrelated. <laughs> um, Thanks for validating me. <laughs> always. Our last chronic illness that we will talk about today is PCOS and this is the one that has been sort of on the radar the longest um and endometriosis is catching up a bit in terms of like funding and media attention but PCOS sort of has the um monopoly I mean it's a plot line on teen mom OG (laughs) so I had to bring it up it's very important it's crucial yeah no I think you're right so what is it basically There's more testosterone production than average. It typically results um, in small cysts on the ovaries, but not always. Other symptoms include irregular menstrual cycles, cystic acne, more hair growth than one might normally see. I don't really like, it's hard. Like I have a lot of hair growth. I have a mustache in which I shave and people are always like, that's, I'm like, but that's what's normal for me. So like depending on your body, what's normal. Anyway, there, those are the symptoms for the DSM. Um, unlike endo, it can be diagnosed without surgery, um, which immediately makes it easier to diagnose people. Um, so basically they test your hormone levels, your sugar levels, and then your thyroid function. And it also usually includes a pelvic ultrasound to assess for cysts. I have had in my lifetime three pelvic ultrasounds and let me tell you, they are heckin' unpleasant. Mm. They are one of the most unpleasant medical procedures I've ever had. Mm. (laughs) Do not like it. Um, Never had an ultrasound I liked. No, 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 no. Basically, the reason they check your thyroid and sugar levels is because the production of more testosterone occurs because people with PCOS typically have higher levels of androgens, which is what produces the testosterone. They're like, it's the glands, I think. Um, And one of the reasons they think that might happen has to do with how your body produces insulin. This is why I'm saying all of this stuff is connected and they found this out because they were looking in other places. Um, so if you have insulin resistance, it means that your body has trouble breaking down glucose. So it produces an excess amount of insulin, which can then cause your body to produce more hormones. So you can see how this escalates quickly. Um, this is also why PCOS is linked with type two diabetes if it goes untreated. Another possible cause researchers discuss, uh, is that it could be due to the brain's ability to like send correct quote unquote 
hormone signals from the pituitary gland, which is like a teeny tiny gland that produces hormones to the ovaries. Again, unconfirmed, don't really know. Um, genetics are also listed as a possible cause for PCOS. Um, a data sample from 2019 of 261 people revealed the gene that could have a role in the development of PCOS in white individuals of European origin. Surprise, they were not looking at people of color or people outside of Europe. Are we shocked? <laughs> no, we're not! Ugh. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> One more time for the people in the back. Ugh. I just hate it so much. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, treatment. Hormonal birth control is like not a cure, but with as the same with endometriosis, it's often the first thing that doctors to prescribe to alleviate symptoms. Mm. That's kind of an issue though, because it's important to note that PCOS often goes undiagnosed in teenage uh, young folk because the symptoms, cystic acne, hair growth, hormone changes are often conflated with puberty. Mm. So what happens is people go in and they're like, this acne dope. And the doctor's like, take the pills though. Yeah. And then it hides, birth control sort of hides other symptoms, um, and then the condition goes untreated, which can result in other health complications. Well, we kind of talked about that in our, um, our, our episode on birth control, like this idea that like, it's kind of like really irresponsible and dangerous to just be giving girls so young this medication that alters the chemistry of their body and like not checking in at least with that like acting so casually about it because it could mask like a whole bunch of things yeah um so there's not there's not a whole lot in terms of treating it besides medication for insulin regulation and hormone therapy although those are particularly effective for pcos in a way that they are not effective for other endocrine illnesses so like that's kind of interesting why don't we know more I'll tell you why. <laughs> There's a huge misconception that it is only an illness that pertains to the ovaries. That's it. It's in the name. PCOS, right? right. Polycystic ovarian syndrome. Should have said that at the top. That's what it stands for. Um, <laughs> I like a good mysterious acronym. Yeah. The conception that it only affects the function of your reproductive organs. That's it. Which, let's be honest, should on its own still warrant attention and care obviously. Yeah. Um, but it's actually an endocrine and metabolic disorder, which means that it affects your entire body, your whole goddamn body. Um, your endocrine system basically regulates your hormone production, which affects how you sleep, your stress levels, your tissue function, just like a whole mess of crap, all of it. And to no one's surprise, there's a lack of funding, um, and it's a huge barrier in PCOS research. It gets less funding than other conditions that affect comparable rates of people in the U.S., things like cancer, heart conditions, so on and so forth. One of the reasons that's cited in a lot of articles is because the cause is unclear, which is funny to me because you would think you fund something, you'd be more likely to find a cause, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you would think that. Yeah, it's like, oh, we don't know what causes it. Let's fund it less. Surely that'll get us an answer on this situation. Listen, you would understand this, Melina, if you, like, didn't have your, like, fragile hormonal little yeah my hysterical brain brain. um it's kind of interesting so it means funding is less likely to lead to the production of a pharmaceutical to cure it because they don't know what causes it which means less money on the return and that's one of the reasons why a lot of these things actually don't get funding is because there's not as much money in it because we should treat our um medical systems like businesses yeah absolutely just i don't even have words anymore. don't there are not not words something i also think um is interesting is that a lot of the major funding for these things comes from organizations that are focused specifically on reproductive health which means that the research then is only focused on those aspects of the disease as we've said um but a lot of that is facilitated because again this money is only coming from specific organizations right um and here's the thing i worked as a fundraising coordinator for an environmental organization in toronto and we would apply for grants and then the organization we received funding from would set specific goals that require reports on programs, whatever. It's not like you just get the money and then you do whatever you want. You yeah. have to report on them. Yeah. Um, so these organizations organizations say, we want to know how it affects reproductive health, which means they're not necessarily researching metabolic aspects, insulin, whatever. And then they have to report on that, which then causes their field of research to narrow. Right. And then they're, they get into this tunnel vision where they're looking. And a lot of the times it's maybe a reproductive organization that has links to a pharmaceutical company, um, especially when you're looking at things like hormones. 
So your research then becomes influenced by the like what it is that you're tr- the outcome, right? So it's like, oh, we want research that confirms the same thing so we can get this drug or we can get more funding, whatever. That's how a lot of these things slip through the cracks. Damn. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm going to try and do a really like su- like succinct uh summary of like all three yes and you correct me okay <laughs> so i'm so unqualified andro and 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 oh my god i can never say it endometriitis fuck endometriosis endo endometriosis osis yeah endro endometriosis you got it endometriosis endometri <laughs> is demon tissue yes growing maybe in the uterus maybe other places could burn it will come back yeah keeping on the outside of where it's supposed to grow. on the outside of where it's supposed to grow but technically it's just supposed to grow in the uterus yeah but so, so anywhere that's not, not in the yes, uterus yes, yes, got yes, it yes. got it or on the outside it's usually most commonly discussed is on the outside of the uterus right right but bad anywhere that's not the inside of the uterus yes excellent Okay, PCOS is cysts. Yes. And insulin. Yes. Diabetes, maybe. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm sure. Uh, vulvodynia is extreme sensitivity in like the pubic area, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Sick! Yeah. Sick. Yeah, sorry. Great. None of those long. have been researched enough. No. Nobody cares that much. Just take the pill. Maybe you'll be fine. Yeah, there's no cure for any of them. Yeah. I mean, I think we should put that in quotes because, like, I'm sure that there is a cure for them. We just, like, haven't put in the time or effort to figure out what that is because nobody cares about. What really comes down to is definitively we don't know what causes any of them. And that is kind of the kicker here. Yeah. Which, like, I don't super fault individual researchers for, maybe, but I certainly fault the, like, uh, medical industrial complex. Yeah. No, but, like, the, the thing is, it's not as though, like, we've put, like, we've done everything we can and, like, put in as much effort as no, we can to not. research this and figure it out. The problem is that, like, the money and the resources have not been allocated in this direction. Yeah. They've been allocated in other places, places where they think that they're going to make more money, but also it's just not a priority. No. We've said this before and we'll say it again. Like, I think that we have a really high tolerance in the society for women enduring pain. Yeah, for sure. So they're like, well, none of these are life-threatening, at least not immediately. Uh, so you can, t- you can take it. Yeah. Like, it's fun. You can take it. It's exactly it. Yeah. No, 100%. It is, when you, like, I try not to think about it too much because, you know, I live it. It's infuriating. Um, but then sometimes when you sit down and you're like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, like, hulk out at some point yeah. in my life. It's coming. I can feel it. I'm just going to, like. Yeah. It's, it's pretty gross. It's gross. It's upsetting. Uh. Do, there's like so much good literature on this though. There are so many people who are writing so many good things in the, in the website post that we do for this. I'll link some of them as I always do. Um, I just think it's like, I don't know. It's just like so important. And also I think with anything, like even with mental illness or like, you know, chronic illness, if you have friends who have this stuff, I'm not saying like dedicate your whole life, like take, take like 30 minutes and like do some research so you know what they're going through. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, look up, you know, the organizations who are advocating for these these groups, these illnesses, yeah. to get more funding, to get more awareness, yeah. uh, to provide resources for the people who struggle with them, because they do exist. They are out there. I know, because it's a, it's a plot line on Teen Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I, MTV. Educating us. That's all I want from MTV is education. Education. <laughs> They do it sometimes, but I don't think they mean to. It's an accident. Surprise. (laughs) Well, thank you for uh, bearing through that, folks. For joining us once again for this lovely little chat, this bi-weekly chat. Next time, uh, we're going to talk about virginity. We're going to sacrifice some virgins. Same.
Same thing. It's my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sacrificing virgins. Check the closet. It's my whole, whole life. I don't think you keep them after you sacrifice them, or are you keeping them live, like fresh mm. in there for Y'all the sacrifice? Have to find out. Check Damn. The Come back next week to find out whether the virgins in the closet are alive or dead. This got so <laughs> dark. Okay. And bye. bye. You can find us on all kinds of socials we don't know how to use. Uh, we're Akko Rocco, A-W-K-O-R-O-C-O on Twitter and Awkward Erotica on Instagram. If you have topics, ideas, questions, compliments, you can email us at akkorocco at gmail.com. We do not accept complaints. Um, if you like what we do and you want us to do it better, you can support us on Patreon. We'll leave a link in the show notes. Big thanks to Nathan for our intro music and Callum for our beautiful icon art. We'll link his Instagram in the show notes as well. He does real good art. Please check it out. That's all she wrote, folks. See you next week. Go be awkward.